Hey Che, um, it's Bike Pit. Just want to give you a pat on the back, mate. I've torn myself away from your episode. I could con- contain my emotions no more. I-, I think I've got to disagree with you when you say you don't see progress and you're not sure you've made much progress. I look at your first episode, I listen to you now. You, you sound like a different man, mate. Uh, you, you, I've, I don't know, I've just really enjoyed the journey that you've made. You, I think you've made great progress. It is ups and downs. Sometimes I've been pretty dismayed to listen. It's been hard listening. Other times you've been so fired up and I thought, yeah, man, good good old Shay, you know, he's getting his game on there and having fun. So I think you're bringing, you know, something pretty unique to the, the anchorites and, yeah, have a good one, mate. Thanks, Colin. I don't really know what to say to that except that, you know, thanks. It's great to hear from you and, yeah, maybe I need to understand and recognise that, you know, I've come a long way with this podcasting lark and I've also come quite a long way as a GM, I think, as a gamer. So thanks, man, for calling in. I really appreciated it and, um, yeah, game on. Hello, rescuers. My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about finding a route back to playing tabletop role-playing games. Ever since episode 204, Getting Started Solo, first aired way back in February, which, by the way, feels like an age ago, but never mind, ever since Getting Started Solo aired, I've been getting questions about it, and the most repeated request has been for a worked example. I guess that by worked example, people mean me sitting down and recording myself running a solo session while talking you guys through what I'm actually doing. Honestly, I've not been too sure about how best to approach this, but today I'm going to start what I rather suspect will end up being a series of episodes on gaming alone. This is episode 408, Delving Deeper Solo. If you've not listened to episode 204, or if you've forgotten the basic principles outlined in that episode, I'd strongly recommend going back and listening to it. I thought about repeating the main content in this episode, but I feel like that's a huge indulgence when, given the nature of podcasts, pointing you back to a previous episode is really simple. So yeah, please consider listening to episode 204 if you've not come across the idea of solo role-playing before. To be clear, we're talking about gaming alone. Solo means something for or done by one person alone, unaccompanied. There are a lot of people in the RPG community who use the word solo to mean gaming with just one game master and one player. And that is explicitly not what I'm talking about when I use the word solo. And that's largely because I prefer to use the English language correctly. Solo means gaming done just for you and done by you alone and unaccompanied. I've always gamed alone, at least from time to time. In my teens, this was pretty much daily. I would escape to my bedroom to play board games like Risk and Chit and Hex games like Panzer, all on my own. Once I discovered role-playing games, especially the Traveller RPG, I added elements of solo play with role-playing to my repertoire. But, as I pointed out in episode 204, this was not the complete experience of solo role-playing games. It was a pale shadow of what is possible with solo play. 
Let me try to better define the experience of solo role-playing by first going through some very popular activities that look like solo role-playing, but aren't quite what I'm talking about. There are five things that I've enjoyed doing that look a lot like solo role-playing, but really aren't quite what I'm talking about. These are making up characters, fiddling with rule systems, running combats, choosing your own adventure, and running yourself through adventures. In recent weeks, and it really has been quite recent, a matter of a few weeks, I found it helpful to refer to all of those activities when done alone as self-play rather than as solo play. I know that, especially for smutty-minded British listeners, the term self-play is problematic, but it's the best I've got. Of course, in saying that some activities done alone aren't truly solo play, I also run the risk of sounding like I'm advocating the one true way of solo role-playing, but that's not the intention. What I am trying to do is strip away the misconceptions so that you can better understand what I believe is one of the richest gaming experiences available to everyone. Yeah. I said that. Solo role-playing is very rich experience. I possibly prefer it even to group play, at least in some situations, but I digress. Making up characters. That is part of solo role-playing. You'll be needing a character, at least one, and possibly more, to play the game. But it's not quite the same as playing the game. Just as rolling up your D&D character for a group game is a fun activity and part of the game... It's not the whole experience. If we just rolled up or designed characters but didn't do anything with them, we'd not be role-playing. The experience of role-playing is built around making choices, in character, in response to the situations presented within the fictional world. So you don't get that experience just by making a character. So yeah, it's fun to make characters, but you're not quite role-playing. You're using the game system for some self-entertainment, some self-play. Fiddling with rule systems. I don't know, stuff like rolling up random worlds in the Traveller role-playing game, or randomly building a hex map, or building a monster using the guidelines in D&D 5e's DMG. Using the systems of either a game structure or a set of role-playing game rules to pass the time. This looks a lot like the kind of thing that game masters do in between game sessions, except that you don't have a planned game session. When I used to do this a lot, I would tell myself that I was prepping for a future game that I would run. I don't think I ever ran any game from the stuff I created in a vacuum alone. When it came to setting up a game for a group, I'd need to adapt my approach to fit the other players at the table. Thus, this activity of fiddling with rule systems pretty obviously shines forth as self-play. At best, it's a great way to learn and master the rules of a game system, or get your head around how a game structure works but it's not really the full role-playing game experience. It's certainly engaging with the game, but it limits the experience to one aspect of play, usually the GM elements of prep. Nothing wrong with it though, it's just not really solo play. Running combats. Okay, I do this a lot. In fact, so far I've not shared much more than this, you know, running combats in previous solo actual play episodes that I've shared. Um, Because of that, I worry that I've given a skewed view of what solo play can be. Running a combat is solo play, and it's kind of not. Again, I guess it's one element of the role-playing experience. I think anyone who has played a tabletop RPG has probably moved past just having fights. 
there is much more to role-playing than just the combat. That said, there's nothing wrong with soloing fight scenes. They make great quick games, and they do help you learn the combat rules, and they are very rewarding. But they are not the full solo play experience, in the same way that doing that with your group wouldn't be the full role-playing experience. Choose your own adventure. All right, this is what most people associate with solo gaming. It's not really self-play when I think about it either. This is a form of solo gaming, but it's a programmed experience. In the 1970s, when Tunnels and Trolls introduced this idea, and long before computers became widely available, choose-your-own-adventures were a very good option. You know the kind of thing. Warlock of Firetop Mountain. You know, it popularised this approach in the 1980s. You start at an entry number one and you make a decision, choosing one of the options that directs you to another entry number, and from there you keep choosing options. Sometimes you make a die roll or two to resolve some element of danger, such as playing through the combat subsystem of the game, and you use the result to inform where to turn to next in the book. It's all good fun, and yes, it is a role-playing game. I mean, it's got choices and decision points on behalf of a character, so it's definitely role-playing. It's got game rules and systems to resolve uncertain situations, so it's a game. The only thing it's short on, in my view, is player agency. Choose Your Own Adventures offer two of the three levels of player agency. You have the freedom to choose how to deal with the situation you're in, although I would admit that this is limited to the program choices in front of you. It also has the freedom to choose a situation. You can choose how to travel through the adventure. What it definitely lacks, however, is the widest range of choice within those two levels of agency. Choose Your Own Adventure also lacks level three, the freedom to choose the goal. I guess for anyone who is used to their GM railroading them through an adventure, this type of game is fine. It's a very early version of what computer games offer as well. You know, a bounded experience, limited by the imagination of the creator and or the boundaries of the available space within the medium. In a book, the author is limited by page space. In a computer game, the limits are far further out, but they probably exist in a combination of memory, computing power, and the time available to write the game. I mean, I'm not a game designer and I'm not a computer expert, so I'm just guessing there. But in the end, this approach to solo play is limited. And honestly, while there is some cuteness to turning those pages, you can do this in an app on your phone now. You know, the Warlock of Firetop Mountain? It's available on app. Or, if you want, you can play on the Xbox or the PlayStation. It's not really what tabletop role-playing games offer. Running yourself through an adventure freeform is the last of those kind of self-play things. And I guess, again, it's not really self-play pure. What I mean is grabbing up an adventure module, say, to keep on the Borderlands and creating a party of adventurers and running yourself through the game as a kind of neutral party. This is also solo play of a sort, and I've done loads of it. It's what I was doing back in Season 2 when I played through the Alternative Starter Set adventure and put that out as two episodes. And it can be fun, but it's still not what I regard as the full experience of solo play. The limits of this lie in the fact that you've got to emotionally stand back from the gameplay because you're really playing the module in a half-GM, half-player mode. You'll end up reading ahead to find out what's in the module and then having to kind of cast your mind back into player mode to make decisions. And it's okay as an experience, 
but it lacks the emotional engagement of a full role-playing game, you know, as a player. And so I guess it's time to get what I'm actually talking about, get into that. I'm talking about solo play. And the only way I know of doing that is to kind of demonstrate it. All right then. To keep this introduction brief and practical, I'm going to start very simply. You're going to need three things to play a solo RPG. There are a whole load of other useful things, but there are three basics. And these are, one, a game system, two, a solo engine, and three, an idea generator. For the purposes of today, I'm going to use, one, GURPS Lite for my game system, two, the Mythic Game Master emulator for my solo engine, and three, for the idea generator, I'm using the ones that are built into Mythic already. So if you want to follow along, you could download GURPS Lite for free. Go to sjgames.com slash GURPS slash Lite. Um, GURPS is G-U-R-P-S and Lite is L-I-T-E. So sjgames.com slash GURPS slash Lite. And you can grab the Mythic GM emulator either for $6.95 on DriveThruRPG. Just go to DriveThruRPG.com and search for Mythic GM emulator. Or you can buy it from Amazon for $12 in print, which is kind of cool. Right, um, I guess I better say why I've chosen those things. So I've chosen the GURPS light rules because, okay, three things I guess. I'm trying to learn those rules right now for my home game group. I'm also finding they're really simple to play. I mean, if you look at GURPS Lite, the actual how to play bit is pages two to three and about three lines at the top of page four out of a 32-page GURPS Lite document. Most of that is reference material for creating characters. Um, and thirdly, they allow for kind of any type of setting. Those rules allow me to play in any genre, if you like. So if we will later choose to add a setting to our solo play, it's kind of easy to do with those rules. I've chosen Mythic because, if I'm quite honest, really, if you're curious about solo role-playing, you should read it. It's definitive, at least to my mind. There are many other GM emulators out there. And, I mean, you could, I suppose, roll 1d6 and kind of, you know, 50-50 on a 1 to 3, it's a yes, and on a 4 to 6, it's a no, and that kind of thing. And you could give modifiers for if it's more or less likely. And that's all right, but quite frankly... Mythic does it very well and it's not too expensive and it's not difficult to learn and it will teach you lots of really useful things. It also comes, as I said, with loads of random generator stuff built in. So it is a very useful game. And if you don't want just the GM emulator, you could buy the full Mythic rulebook. Mythic is both a full role-playing game, a very narrative and simple light game and obviously the GM emulator. So you could just buy Mythic if you wanted to. Anyway, I'm completely going off. So, what am I doing today? Right, well today, Mythic and I are going to collaborate to play a quick example game using GURPS Lite. My aim here is simply to illustrate how solo play can work. I'm going to play through probably a couple of short scenes. It's enough to illustrate the idea. After that, I think I'll try to produce at least one separate bonus episode in which I play through an adventure and sort of record the whole thing. But I'm conscious that not all the listeners would want to listen to a whole worked example that could take anything from, I guess, a few minutes to several hours to play through. So I'm going to kind of split this up. So with that in mind, let's imagine. So to start us off, 
I'm going to sort of imagine that I'm playing me. Okay, I think that's going to make life very simple. We're ditching any kind of additions of setting. I'm just going to play me. Imagine that I've just woken up in a hospital bed. And imagine there's a nurse hovering over me and a policeman sitting on a chair across the room. You know, he's kind of sitting in front of a window. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the beginning of the scene. And from there, we can start to play. Okay, so I have taken the time to create myself as a GURPS character using GURPS Lite, which was mildly amusing, actually. Um, I managed to give myself charisma, which is always a good thing. Um, and my disadvantages are gluttony, honesty, and acrophobia. Um, I give myself five of my most common quirks. I blinking when I'm tired and disliking spiders and cough when my throat's dry, sniff annoyingly and snore when asleep. And a variety of skills, including, obviously, humanities theology, humanities philosophy, and humanities history. I also remembered that I did actually learn to rifle shoot when I was younger. as part of the Air Training Corps, so I've got a rifle as a weapon skill. But other than that, that's just me. Um, and I'm a 25-point character, which is a low end of a average kind of character. Um, so, yeah, ready to go with that. And then um, I've also printed off a copy of the mythic role-playing kind of adventure reference sheet, um, which is great. And I'm ready to go. So we're in the hospital bed. There's a nurse standing over me and there's a policeman in front of the window sitting on a chair. Right. So this is the scene set up. Okay. So I'm going to start asking questions. So first question that comes to mind is, am I actually injured? So I look at the fate chart. I would suggest that being in hospital... Uh, it's somewhat likely, isn't it, that I'm going to be injured. And the chaos factor for starting a game is five. If I roll the dice, cross-reference those two elements, somewhat likely, and chaos rank five on the table. And I roll. I rolled 61, which is a yes. I am injured. Okay. Uh, so now I need to know, really, am I seriously injured? Um, I'm going to leave that at a 50-50. Rolling my dice, I rolled 60, no, sorry, 56, which is a no. So I'm not seriously injured. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to knock 1D hit points off my hit points. I rolled 1. Um, so I'm at 8 hit points instead of 9, and I am mildly injured. Okay. Fantastic. Hospital bed, nurse. Okay, was the nurse trying to stick me with the needle? I suggest this is likely. Um... 17. No. Okay. So perhaps I can imagine that she's tending to my wounds. Maybe she's changing um, changing a dressing. Okay. So I've got an injury to... Let's roll a random location, shall we? That'll be fun. Here locations aren't actually part of Gert's Light, but I kind of think I can wing this. So I've rolled an 8... That would be the right arm. Okay, so I've got a wound on my right arm, and I'll be changing dressing on that wound. That's what I'm going to um, say. Right. Okay, I'm going to kind of sit in here, come around, and there start sort of tending my wounds. I'm kind of okay. Now, I don't remember anything about why I'm here right now, so uh, why am I here? Hmm. Um, I'm going to sort of sit up. Uh, so I start sitting up in bed, and does this attract the attention of the cop? I was just that's pretty likely. Uh, 28, yes. Um, and as he sort of looks towards me, I'm going to sort of go, hi, um, and look sheepish. Um, so we can imagine that the cop is probably going to question me about what I remember, to which my answer is, um, nothing. 
I don't remember anything. And that's kind of freaking me a little bit because I really don't know quite what to do at this stage. Does the cop look disappointed? I would suggest that that's pretty likely. Uh, so rolling, 38, yep. He looks pretty disappointed, cool. So does the take, cop take any action before he leaves? Don't know, it's gonna be 50-50. 51, no. All right, so the cop basically asks me a few questions and he um, then gets up to leave, basically looking pretty disappointed. And I'm left in the room. And I'm gonna say the nurse leaves as well. Cool, so I'm in the room on my own. I'm injured in my right arm. Just gonna make a note of that. And I don't know why I'm here. This isn't a very dramatic situation, is it? We need to inject some fun into this situation. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the window. Sort of get up from my bed and walk across to the window and I look out and let's have some fun with this. I'm going to actually roll randomly on a little... Subject table here, 74, Liberty. Okay, so I'm looking out the window and I can see the Statue of Liberty across from the hospital. This would indicate that I'm not in England anymore. Now it's starting to get interesting. Why am I in New York? I presume that's where the Statue of Liberty is. Okay, now I'm starting to get worried. Do I have any stuff? 50-50 um, chance, or 53? No, I have no gear and stuff with me. Just my, basically my robe and my gown. What the hell am I doing here? It's really frustrating me now. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave the hospital room. So I guess I'm going to go out into the corridor. That's the scene set up that I'm aiming for. So what I do now is I roll D10 against... Oh, sorry, first before I do anything else. So I've got um, to update my lists. Now, it basically, in, in Mythic, you have a series of lists that you maintain. There's a list of characters, the NPCs. So I've already got the nurse and the cop written down because I did that before we started. And then there's a threads list. So now I'm, my thread, I don't know, I'm, I'm lost in New York. Um, that's definitely a, a thread. And I guess why am I injured? I'm going to write that down as well. Now, threads are um, basically story, sort of story threads, if you like, story lines. And they, you've got some off once they're resolved. But basically, as you go through things, as, account, as stuff goes on in the game, um, you can activate these threads and they can kind of develop stuff. So I've got two kind of threads going on. Why am I in New York and why am I injured? And those things might be related. And then there's a the chaos fact, which is currently five. Um, and basically what you do is you modify that at the end of the scene. Everything's been very calm, okay? So chaos factor drops by one to four. <clears throat> anyway, right, so I am now, apart from feeling like I'm completely bolting up this uh, whole kind of demo, I'm now leaving the room. So scene set up. My scene set up is going to go into the hospital corridor, but, so I can make a note of that as my... But roll 1d10 against chaos. So if basically you roll higher than the chaos factor, then there's um, no modification. If you roll under, you modify the scene. 
uh, I've rolled a two. And it's an even number, so it's an interrupt to the scene. To do that, we look at the event focus. So I roll D100 um, on the event focus table. So my actual scene is an interrupt. Um, I've rolled 13, which is an NPC action. Okay. And then I roll um, two keywords. So I'm rolling an action and a subject. So the action, I have rolled 86, which is passion. And the subject, I have rolled 01, which is goals, passion goals. Okay, guess we better find out which of the NPCs this is. Um, so is it the nurse or the cop? Um, I've rolled the cop, passion, goals. So this uh, cop obviously feels very passionate about something that is an objective or a goal. Okay, so as I walk out into the corridor, um, the cop hasn't actually left and the cop interrupts and let's <laughs> just have him come over. He's, like, he's really frustrated. He wants to know what's wrong and he doesn't believe that I don't know anything. So he uh, basically goes to pin me up against the wall and interrogate me. So he's going to make a brawling check. Um, now, I haven't got stats for a cop sort of lying around, but we can imagine. It's kind of easy enough to, to sort of eyeball this stuff. So someone who's fairly competent is a 12 or less. So we'll go with that. He's going to try and... Um, Brawl me up against the wall, 12 or less. And uh, he's got nine, so that's a success. I can try and resist that with the defense roll. I'm gonna try and dodge. I need an eight or less to dodge. I've rolled an eight, I dodge him. Okay, he goes to get me around the throat, really angry, and I dodge out of the way. Um, okay, what do I do? I'm gonna run, <laughs> basically. So um, I will move, now in combat you're going second by second, so I will basically move five yards down a corridor away from him. So I'm running and um, I need to ask, is there anything in my way? This seems somewhat likely. It's Chaos Factor 4, 50% yes. Uh, 11 yes, is something in my way. So I crash into one of those medical carts and I need to, I'm gonna say I need to make a dex check to stay upright. Uh, 10 or less on dex. I've rolled five, no problem, cool. <clears throat> so I run down the corridor. Um, is there a an elevator anywhere in sight? This seems like a 50-50 card chance. So a four, um, chaos factor, I've rolled 30, 49 is a no, there's no, so I'm gonna head for the stairs instead. There's always one of those, you know, push bars at the end of the corridor. So I slam into that. Um, the cop, does he pursue? Uh, this seems pretty likely to me. 55% chance. Rolled 55 exactly. Yes, he does. So he's running up behind me. Cool. What can I do? So I crash through the door. Um, I can try and hold... Is there anything I can wedge the door with? I think it seems unlikely to me, but we'll check. I rolled 70. No, nothing. Okay, so I'm going to start running down the stairs. Now, I'm pretty much average, and I'm guessing this cop's going to be a bit above average, so I'm going to assume he's going to slowly start gaining on me if I'm not careful. Um, I'm going to go down the floor. Um, I actually need to get out of this place, don't I? Cops are trying to get hurt me. Um, I'm going to keep going down. Um, I get to the next level. Is there anything I can use to delay the cop? 
seems unlikely, but we'll try. Uh, rolled a hundred, which is an exceptional no. <laughs> there definitely isn't anything. There's not even any people in this stairwell. But I bound down to the bottom level. Okay. Uh, does the cop catch me by the time I get to the bottom? I, I kind of think this. I'm going to make this a 50-50. It's actually a 35% chance of yes on this chaos factor. 89. No, it doesn't. So I crash out onto the ground floor. I'm in the hotel kind of uh, ground floor lobby. Um, and I'm heading for the door. Cops behind me maybe a few steps by now. Sounds pretty damn exciting. Um, are there more police at the bottom? Um, it seems uh, unlikely, I would have thought. 59. Nope, there's no cops downstairs. It's just here. Interesting. Um, so I run through uh, hospital out into the car lot. Uh, car kind of a bit out front, but the car's parked, pull up and... Uh, and all that sort of stuff, and what do I do? I stand around pausing, looking dumb, because I don't know what to do, um, which I think means the cop's probably going to try and essentially catch up with me, and he's going to try and wrestle me down. He needs a 12 or less to do that. Nine, yep, I can try and dodge again. I need an eight or less. I did it as well. Rolled seven. Okay, so a dodge out of the way of the cop. Does this kind of set off other people looking a bit alarmed and freaked out? I think that's fairly likely. Um, no, everybody stands around looking like confused and what's going on. Are there any cabs nearby? I would say this is oh, outside the front of a hospital. I don't know, 50-50 chance? No, no cabs. Oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm going to run across out uh, towards the road and... Uh, I'm guessing it's going to be one of those big, huge car parks. All right, so we're in a car park. The cop's kind of behind me. Uh, what on earth is going on here? I have no idea. Is there someone here to rescue me? I really don't know. No, there's nothing going on. Right, okay. What do we do in this situation? I'm honest, I don't like breaking the law. I feel like I'm going to have to. Um... I'm going to run to one of the cars. Um, I'm going to try and... Can I smash in the windscreen? Can I bring myself to break the law? Honesty, 12 or less. No, I can't. So as I stand there dithering in front of the car and unable to sort of smash the window uh, to sort of break in and um, try the desperate search for keys, uh, the cop gets behind me again. He's going to brawl, try and shovel me down. He's rolled a 7, which is a success. I try and dodge. I need an 8. This time I fail. He wrestles me to the ground. The cop cuffs me, um, and I am picked up and taken, I guess, towards his police car. So scene three, I'm setting up for being taken to the police station, I guess. Right, that didn't go as planned, did it? So chaos factor up to five. No new characters. No real new threads, is there? I haven't. I don't think so. Uh, so just rolling chaos. See if there's an interrupt. Uh, so chaos factors five. Need five. I need more than five for it to be a no no weirdness. Rolled a four, and it's an even number. So another interrupt. So while on the way to the police station, rolling event focus. Um, I've got sixty-two. PC negative. <laughs> okay. Something bad happening to me. 
Okay, action. Uh, 51. Overindulge. ET on the subject is overindulge art. <laughs> oh no. All right, maybe I'll say. <laughs> uh, okay, so on the way, maybe. Um, I have no idea what to do with that, really. Overindulge. I, I like that idea that maybe I'm like. I've been overindulged. So, okay, overindulgence has led me to have some kind of uh, seizure, maybe, or some kind of bad thing that happens. I don't know. Maybe I try and feign having a heart attack. <laughs> I don't really know. Okay, um, I believe there's um, some kind of relevant bluffy type skill. So, <laughs> acting skill uh, is IQ minus five. My IQ is 11. So I need to roll six or less to pull off this convincing attempt. And I don't. Um, so basically while I'm going along trying to go, you know, oh no, meow, meow, oh no, 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 don't do that. And the cop's like, yeah, stop, pull the other one, mate. It's got bells on it, you know. And um, we arrive at the police station. And I'm hoping that's enough of a flavour that you kind of get the feeling and sense of how to use um, Mythic as a GM emulator to try and create a story. It's very short. Not very good story in lots of ways, um, but there you go. Did it help? Hey, Che, just wanted to say um, thank you again for getting me involved in your podcast. I was very nervous to listen to the episode. I've just done so. I think it came out reasonably all right, didn't it? So I'm, I'm very appreciative that you would have um, that you would have given me that time really and I, it was a good chat and uh, yeah I look forward to talking again cheers again Che Dave Aldridge there Dave thank you so much for your call in and you're welcome man look I asked you on the show because yeah, I thought you had something interesting to say and it turns out you did and I enjoyed doing the episode with you so I hope that you will consider coming on again talking some more about those random tables or perhaps something else I don't know but man, it's great. It's always good to have guests and I really, really appreciate you uh, coming and doing that. So, you know, uh, at the risk of this being one big loving, thanks, mate. That's it for this episode. I want to say a big thank you to Colin from Spike Pit and also to Dave Aldridge of the Deeper Centile podcast. Um, very good to hear from you guys. Thanks so much for your calling and your encouragements. Yeah, I'm hoping that was a useful sort of episode, that it kind of taught you something about solo play and maybe showed you a little bit about how it's done, at least badly. So let me know what you think. As ever, please do share your thoughts by calling in. Um, and don't forget, Roleplay Rescue is brought to you through the generous support of the Patreon patrons. There have been a few more of those over the last couple of weeks, and thank you to all of those guys who support me. If you want to join in and support too, please consider throwing a dollar in the tip jar over at patreon.com forward slash RPG Rescue. And that leaves me just with, well, saying thank you for listening. Um, it's really great to have you listening and paying attention to what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, just keep doing it, guys. Please get yourselves back to the table. My name is Che Webster. I hope you'll join me again next time on Roleplay Rescue. Game on.